Hi, and welcome to Rebel Revolution. I'm Nikki Hafner. And I'm Allison Gomez. And Rebel Revolution is dedicated to identifying, acknowledging, and challenging the weaponization of privilege and bias by asking the tough questions and dissecting the difficult answers. This week, we are sitting down with Melissa Bada Devers, and she's a therapist from New Jersey, and we are going to have a nice little conversation. Can you say hi? Can you say hi to the listeners, Melissa? Hey everyone, I'm very happy to be here. Great. Um, Melissa, can you start with a little bit about your intersections, who you are and how you identify? Yeah, I, um, my name's Melissa Bada Devers. I identify as a Latina, Latinx um, therapist um, working in New York and New Jersey, um, cisgender, female, and bicultural with the Puerto Rican experience. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Puerto Rican um, in New Jersey. Is that fairly common in New, in New Jersey? I know that oh, yeah. they yeah. Yeah, I grew up in New York. I'm a New Yorker at heart, but um, <laughs> I'm actually, and I'm also licensed in both states. I see clients from both states. So I actually grew up in New York City in uptown Manhattan. And then I moved to Jersey when I, after I got married. So yeah, yeah no though we're 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 the tri-state area, the tri-state area meaning <laughs> New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. We're all over. <laughs> we're around here, yeah. And and now Florida, <laughs> very much Florida. Very much, yeah. See, I, I guess my experience is fairly limited, um, just with where cultures tend to settle. Um, but I I didn't realize that uh, there was a a large population of Puerto Ricans further north. So that's really interesting. Yeah, northeast. Me. We're in Boston, Massachusetts, all the way down to Florida. Yeah. It's very cool. See, here's here I am being kind of a dork, which is obviously not like a representation of anything, but I'm thinking like, well, of course. I mean, hello, West Side Story. I mean it's with Puerto Ricans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's evidence for anything. It's just <laughs> nothing but racism um i guess tell us a little bit about your practice yeah i specialize in trauma and i'm a heart-centered hypnotherapist i primarily work with um people of color even more specifically women who identify as latina latinx and black um, I de- tend to bring a more spiritual approach to my therapy. So I kind of merge the worlds of spirituality and kind of subconscious practices with traditional talk therapy. Um, I, like I said, I do a lot of inner child healing, hypnotherapy, things of that nature. Yeah. But I specifically mostly work with those who have been survivors of various types of trauma and very much sexual trauma as well. You know, when, it, when you were saying, like, the, like I guess, like, the people you're working with, and I'm just thinking about the field of therapy, like, how how it's focused on, like, whiteness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, and it's interesting, like, when people are trying, like, when women of color, people of color are kind of, like, taking back some of that power. It's, like, okay, no, this is how we're going to use it, but this is how we're going to use it to not pathologize or make things worse. This is how we're going to use it to like empower ourselves. So I guess like, tell me what that process is for you. Yeah. And I, and, and for me to talk a little bit about that, let me just give you a little bit of an idea. I um, worked at a rape crisis center and community and mental health. That's my uh, background after I've got my MSW. And so um, I was working, of course, as a token only Latina has Spanish speaking therapist. Um, you know, I was working with clients who 
we're from Central America and Mexico and, and the Caribbean as well, like Puerto Rican, Dominican. And um, so some of them were undocumented, you know, kind of uh, marginalized, of course. And I found that traditional talk therapy just wasn't working, you know, even with, with my own experience as a bicultural first generation Latina, I felt like, you know, there were just, there was just more that we needed. Um, and, and because we were, I was trained in, in white spaces and in, in, in white supervisors and white teachers and professors, you know, there, that's who you, that's who guided you. Right. I mean, they didn't know. And so I found myself kind of like hitting a wall, like twofold, you know, like, well, what else can I do? Cause this is just not enough. Even just little, little, little things. Like they wanted to hug you, you know, this is when therapy was in person. Like they wanted to hug me and I just, you know, I come from a very warm culture. So I was okay with that, but you know, you're trained or at least I was trained to, you know, and I had a very reserved white supervisor who was like, yeah, no touching, especially with sexual trauma. And I understand that that's, that's very complicated, but just, just really feeling like I'm, this is not, this is just not working, you know? Not that it wasn't working entirely, but that there was more to learn, right? And there was no one there to teach it, to teach you. And so, you know, a lot of us, and I know I'm not alone in this, a lot of us have to figure out, like, how do I teach myself this? What speaks to my clients? What speaks to me, you know? Um, never thinking I even had a choice to have a therapist that wasn't a white woman, you know? Um, so those are, the, that's kind of how that came about. And then I started to find that you know, spirituality was important to some of my clients, you know, and not so much tied to religion, but just the belief in the higher being as well. Just really um, talking about not specifically because a lot of us are colonized, of course, you know, our, our countries are colonized. So just even really being taught about how indigenous practices might be helpful, subconscious practices that, that like, like meditation and hypnotherapy and other things start to speak to me and kind of really started to really teach me that there are other ways to access healing and to access um, trauma and anxiety and whatnot. And the other, the flip side is even just all of my clients who had experienced sexual trauma and trauma in general, just really just talk therapy, wasn't it? Right. And so there was a lot of spiritual, like soul healing that also needed to happen. And so I think in the field, we don't, we discount that. I think it's changing, but we th think that it's pretty much in the mind or, or traditionally. And so I think now, by integrating both or multiple kind of um, practices, I think it's what I've been finding to be helpful. Absolutely. So you mentioned that having been taught in very white spaces by very white professionals, this was a very difficult thing for you to uh, to jump to, to go from your very warm culture to one that's much more, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Cold and distant. Uh, reserved was what I was going for, but oh. sure, cold and distant. <laughs> what uh, what helped you to transition into a more spiritual mindset? How did you um, how did you start your learning process uh, into looking into you know incorporating that into your practice and and how did you make that jump? Well, the way that it started, other than to kind of to know that my clients needed something more, I needed something more to learn. Um, what we were always learning, but you know what I mean. I, I said, you know, we had a staff retreat one year, 
Um, this is when I was working um, at a rape crisis center with survivors of sexual trauma. And we had, a, we had a really nice, you know, work retreat. And they're like, what do you want to see yourself? How do you want to see yourself evolve in your practice? I mean, in your work. And I said, knowing that no one was there to guide me with it, knowing not had no, having no idea what that would look like, said I want to incorporate more spirituality into my work as a trauma therapist. And, you know, I, I just was like, nobody really knew what that meant. I didn't mm -hmm. even know what that meant. And mm -hmm. so three months later walks in, um, we had a wellness, uh, you know, um, we had a bunch of wellness groups that my colleague ran and she hired a practitioner, a, a LCSW who came in to do chakra training and talk about spirituality and trauma and I'm literally <laughs> the, the things that I and that was the beginning and so I actually you know she actually talked about hypnotherapy and that's how hypnotherapy is really where it began so when you go to a hypnotherapy training or at least in my experience heart-centered which is again the, the heart the soul when you go to a, a heart-centered hypnotherapy training um, this is through the wellness institute this is she was the, the actual teacher the person who came to do the workshop and that, that was it. My, my life changed after that professionally and personally, because they believe in you heal the healer heals simultaneously as, as do your clients. So you're not really there to just learn a training and get CEs, um, CEUs. You're there to also evolve and heal as well. And so there was a lot of deep healing that because you're practicing on each other and heart centered is you bringing the soul into your work. And so that's, that was the beginning. <laughs> that was the beginning. And that was the beginning of inner child healing, slow retrievals, all these other things that I started to learn. Do you feel like it, it, it did help you heal? And if so, I mean, I know this may be getting very personal, so it's fine if you don't want to go there, mm -hmm. but in what ways? I mean, this is super personal, but I'm open about it. It's okay. Um, I had twin boys um, for my, my son is 14 and he had a twin brother. I had a twin son and um, that was a very traumatic birth because he did not develop properly. So I lost him at birth um, and my 14 year old's great doing well and healthy. And that was stuck grief for me, right? Mm -hmm. That was something that I could not access that I just tucked away and kept it moving and you know, and so um, at that hypnotherapy, they were like, what do you want to work on? And I'm trying to think, well, you know, I want to start a private practice. And, you know, what can I choose? That's not super, you know, and she warned me, she says, this is this is personal. This is not just a regular training. So I was okay with that. I, I, I but intellectually, you know, and then emotionally, you, that's another story. So I'm there with these six people It's very intimate. And I said, I'm just gonna go, go big or go home, like they say, and I, you know, really, they did a beautiful session on me where I was able to access my grief for my son. And that was just the beginning of like how I was able to even work with people with grief on another level with their trauma and stuff. And so that's what, that's what's happened to me over time. And I feel like I'm a better therapist because of it, just as I can. And, and let me tell you, I was done therapy. I've, you know, I'm good. You know, like I've done my work. <laughs> just of what this, good and that's not and so I do feel that evolution has been very important and I think my comments have benefited because of it that's great you something really kind of struck with me like when you were talking about your experience because I'm thinking about my own experiences being trained as a therapist and a lot of the things that we were told to do like for role-playing like we were which wasn't really role-playing like it was supposed to be your own personal stuff but they say hey but don't go too deep don't go to this don't go to that like 
was very reserved in how we were supposed to present in these trainings. You had to be professionally personal. And it's like, but a lot of these trainings, you know, like a lot of the things that we're learning, you have to kind of figure out how to apply it to yourself. So you can also help apply it to other people to like be in the, in the, in the other chair in the other, on the other side of the couch. And, but we're also like told like, Hey, but you're really not allowed to be personal. This isn't therapy. This is training, you know, like, and so there's this mixed message and it sounds so healing that you were able to be in a space where you were able to do this training and not have to like have those walls up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how it felt. I felt I got, I will bonded with the people who I got trained with and two in particular who were from also lived in New Jersey and they, and you know, one of them said to me, I don't know how we're going to leave from here and go back into society. That's how much of a bubble and how healing and vulnerable you were, you know, in order to do this. And there was this lady who was literally about to walk out, you know, it was, it's not for the faint of heart. And I was warned, you know, so it was, it was very, a very different experience and something that really changed my life on in many levels. And so I think that I'm very grateful for it. And I've, and I've, you know, I've partnered with one person from there um, because, you know, there's more evolution, there's more change and there's more growth in that space. And that's what's really, I was searching for, you know, that's what I really needed. Um, and that's what I feel is my calling for my work as I do this work and I continue to do this work. And one of them, I mean, she's a, a black woman and, you know, some of these spaces tend to still be a little white centered. Um, and so it's beautiful for me and her to have met in, 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 in this and other Latinas. And we are really um, connected because we have the spiritual approach, but we definitely bring the culture piece into it. And what, what even, how more important is it to like return to your roots because we've been colonized so much that we don't even know how to do indigenous practices because we just, they're just disconnected from it, right? I went to Puerto Rico in June and I went and visited the Taino grounds and I was like putting my feet in the ground. It was just so beautiful and wonderful. And it's like this need for connection to my roots, you know? Um, but sometimes you just have to learn it because you don't know. So these these approaches kind of help you kind of inch, in my opinion and in my experience, inch my way back into that. Um, that's in my DNA. Right. Um- I know you mentioned that the, these spiritual practices don't tie into any uh, colonizers' religions. Um, how do you separate those for clients? If, they, if they're coming in and they're hung up on that, how do you I'm okay with that. that? No, that's their process. That's not mine. You know, I'm just, I'm just, if you are, I had those clients that I had worked with who, who were, um, from Central America and Mexico primarily, and really were tied to their Catholicism. It had a beautiful connection to God. And it just happened to be with religion. That's okay. That's okay. That's their, that's their process. I have, a, I have a pretty positive view of my experience with spirituality because of my mom, but we were also Catholic. So there is a little bit of that confusion, sure, that I have to work, but that's my personal shit, you know? Um, but for them, if they want to bring in their, their religion into it, and if they want to bring in their religious trauma, I'm here for that as well. So I feel like it's the respect that I come with with your process. And I do believe spirituality can be with religion and cannot and can be without. And I do believe in religious trauma. Absolutely. Especially the colonized. 
reason. And um, final question about this in particular on my part. Um, if somebody comes in and they don't want to touch on spirituality at all, like that's not something they believe in or they, they feel comfortable with, is that a point where you start referring out? Or is that something that you, as a therapist, and, and I ask this because many clients don't know that, that therapists do refer out. So um, yeah. is that something that you would be like, you know, this is where I feel comfortable and I may not be a good fit for you? Or is this more like, oh, you know, we'll figure it out together? Right. I'm still trained as a traditional therapist. So if they just want to do talk therapy and work on coping skills and boundaries and all the traditional stuff, absolutely. You know, I'm okay with that. If um, more than not, er now that I'm in private practice, everyone that's calling me wants that. So I'm very clear of who I am, how I work. Um, If I, I, I really do believe that if I were to be with someone who's too, too, kind of needs I mean if you need EMDR any of those things you're not going to call me <laughs> you're just not and that's okay because I'm not going to do that <laughs> I don't do that so I mean I think I'm very clear in who I am and yes if that were to come up I would certainly provide that as an option but so mm-hmm. far that really hasn't come up much um they know who I am <laughs> and as far as this inter- intersectionality they do know most of I mean I did not advertise necessarily that I only work with black and latinx women but that is who I have practically as a full caseload so I mean I'm very much put myself as who I am and what I want what I do and how I bring culture into my work and you're currently still accepting new clients yes yes I into am. your private practice okay great in my private practice as long as they live in New Jersey New York yeah. <laughs> I have a question though um because I'm thinking about like myself because I, I like I live in a really um conservative community And so when you talk about like ancestral work, spirituality work, that's outside of like Christianity and Catholicism, it's kind of like, or even like talking about colonization or decolonizing, like -hmm. like we don't talk about things like that. And so I wonder, what is that like for you to be a therapist? And like, how do you form a community of other therapists who are also, I guess, like focusing or geared towards decolonizing and... Mm -hmm. No, I, I appreciate that question because I know that, you know, 2020 was really, um, well, you know, loaded. That's a loaded <laughs> uh, uh, statement, but very much um, as far as being a, a therapist of color um, really opened up a lot for me anyway, um, just the, lifting the stigma for people of color, but also the need for therapy for people of color. And so just having the option. And so I feel like more of us are coming out and able to bring our intersectionality of our culture into our work. I mean, I've known Latina therapists who are like, no, they're light, light skin and white passing and didn't even want to say who they were. And I'm just like, mm, no, but I also wasn't in prior practice trying to get clients a few years ago. Right. So I, I want to respect everyone's process. So I just, um, what was your original question? I kind of like ventured off. I guess like um how do you build community to help support you while you're doing this work focusing on decolonizing and yeah. like the ancestral work and I think I think that's where um I just I'm just finding them on in spaces like wellness wellness is my group and so like that other black therapist who feels the same way I do as far as like 
if you're part of this group, you know, you're, you're you have, you bring spirituality into your group. You bring meditation, inner child healing stuff, hypnotherapy. That's, that's my community. But I was searching for more for, yes, a therapist of color. And I would see them on Instagram. I would see them at, you know, a friend of a friend. And I just started reaching out being in limb. Cause I'm with, you know, with, with you, Allison, you know, reaching out to Dulce and me are very much connected in that way. So just really starting to say, Oh my, you know, I see how her, how he, she does her work. Let me reach out. And that's just networking. Right. And just, just saying building community and having like, I feel like the spirituality was there for a while with my work and then I needed the cultural piece. And so I feel like slowly, we're building and we we're out there we're here you know and then that turned into more in the east coast right because um it also you want to meet people in your region as well um do you find it challenging or let me change that question that's not what i was trying to ask how do you challenge the system as it stands currently. I know you've spoken a lot about how in your own personal practice, you've changed things, but when you're, you're speaking to, to the primarily white therapists or people in this space who are telling you a, that you're wrong or B that that's not what, what science says, or EMDR is better. And you need to go do that, whatever it may be. How do you personally challenge those stereotypes and the system and the people who are coming down on you for these things? Well, first, when you're talking evidence-based practices, you're not doing these research projects on people of color. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe and now things are changing. Yeah, thank gosh. But like, you're right. Like you're not doing, so that's not super valuable for me if you're really talking about evidence-based. And I'm not saying those things don't work because they have worked even for me, but um, to some degree, but they also haven't worked for a lot of my people. So, you know, like if you're not working with Latinx or black people, which is basically my clientele, and you're not really, really giving me some tangible stuff, just calling things evidence-based because these research projects have presented themselves as such and with white subjects, then (laughs) I'm going to challenge that. And I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing so, I mean, I, I don't great. get that a lot, but I have gotten it. You don't get that a lot? No, not really. You know, it. I know it exists. I just, I'm just, I'm speaking more directly. It's no, that. it's fine. I, I've seen it on my end when I've had to stand up or advocate for myself. Um, I'm in therapy. I've had several therapists over the last several years, um, several different therapists. And I've had to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do A, B, or C. No, I don't want to do EMDR. I've tried it. It didn't work for me, whatever. And I get a lot of pushback or, um, especially from, from Christian therapists, that's another big one. They're like, oh, what do you mean you don't want to pray? And that's a, so that's a big thing for me is that pushback as a client, but I've never been a therapist. So that, I think that that may be why I'm surprised is because the clients Mm -hmm. hear it a lot. So No, I no, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, when I was saying earlier about not having anyone to go to, like, I really felt alone at one point in my career. You know, I mean, I, I, I usually tend to be the only Spanish speaking therapist in, in my workspaces. Right. And so I, and we're not treated the best 
that was the, that's another conversation. If you want to hire, bring me on another podcast for that, you know, you know, we're marginalized, we're, we're told we're given, I've been given higher caseloads for barely any more money. They give you like literally like $500 more a year and say they're paying you more legally, but they're, but you're getting 40 more clients. And that's my experience with community mental health. Um, it, it's just, it's just, people don't realize I've had discrimination on like new people who have graduated, white women who have graduated literally at like 20 something years old, like graduated and said to me, I only got a job because I spoke Spanish. Meanwhile, I had years of experience. A lot of Latina therapists out here, at least here in New York, a lot of us in New Jersey, a lot of us do case management. So we didn't just, you know, graduate with our bachelor's and go straight to school. A lot of us worked in like the trenches. I used to go to the projects doing, you know, um, casework, case management and all this stuff. And so I came with this other wealth of, of, you know, just experience. And so it was just really to be not even valued for, you know, what seemed to not be valued. And you have to work through that too, because depending on where you are in your own healing process and your own self-worth, like how you feel about yourself, um, I was a stay-at-home mom for a while, so I came back and I was getting these comments and I was just like, you know, I hadn't been in the field in a few years, so I was already a little insecure about like getting back in. And so when you're being told you're only getting a job because you speak Spanish, but yet you did all the same licensing and credentials and in college and I mean, master's level, in, you know, education, it, it you have to work through a lot of that. And that's a very common experience. And I, a lot of times you think you're alone and then you know, you, you get to another level in your career and then you're like, oh, my other, you know, Latina, Black, whatever, women of color therapists have also gone through the same thing, but we were all going through it alone until mm -hmm. we kind of came on the other side and then realized, wow, this is, this is systemic. This is a problem, you know? So, yeah, I, I add that with the whole thing of the, the evidence-based practices. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, hypnotherapy is not evidence-based, but I've never seen such progress and growth outside of hypnotherapy the way that I've seen it with my clients who've had who I do hypnotherapy on and what the people forget about evidence-based part of evidence-based is the therapeutic uh, the therapeutic relationship it doesn't matter yes what technique you use if you don't have the re if you don't have the relationship you're not going to get any results you're not nothing's going to change and so it sounds like you create this space where you're able to really build this trusting relationship. So you're able to do the hypnotherapy and they're able to grow and heal and, and, you know, be able to do the amazing things that they're able to do. Absolutely. And I do feel like even just healing on such a, just in, in such, when you've worked with survivors of trauma and all different types of trauma, and they're just, how can you not bring the soul healing into it? You know, if you're sexually violated, that's another level. I mean, all trauma and all violations are, are, are so soulful levels in my opinion, but sexual trauma, that's another level of just, you know, feeling broken and feeling all these things that clients have like described. And so it's, it's really just important to kind of look at all that. And back to what you guys said about intersectionality, like even your, your cultural, the cultural trauma, the racial trauma, right? Like someone really, a whole group of people, a whole country, a whole, you know, universe, really seeing a whole world, seeing you as less than, right? How does that not come in? I work with a lot, and Allison, I relate to you because I don't know if it's the private practice thing and being private pay, but I have a lot of high achieving women of color, right? 
who just did all the things fine, um, as far as education wise and high achieving and all that. And just the racial trauma and the cultural trauma and the, and the needing to prove themselves and the perfectionism, like how all of that plays out, right? With worth and, and a good amount of it is tied to, well, some of it is tied to the way the world sees them. Exactly. Like, how do you not internalize this stuff when the world tells you, like, oh, that's just like, ooh, <laughs> that's right? like one of my things. Well, okay, so like, I, I've had a, a huge background in suicide prevention. You know, I used to work at a crisis hotline, um, and I'm very much about suicide prevention and talking about like the stigma and helping challenging the stigma, you know, educating. But you know, as a person who's seen like different sides of suicide prevention and treatment it really is about okay how do we like fix this wound like if like if you're thinking of a surgery like okay let's repair the damage and sew it up and put the bandages on but then you go back into the world where they're like trying to stab you again like (laughs) metaphorically and literally you know like figuratively and literally and and so how we create these spaces for people but it's really hard to not internalize it and not feel safe when the world actually is not safe. And I think that's when sometimes I hate CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy for people who do not know, um, who from people who aren't really like, not, I don't want to be say like culturally competent because I don't think anyone's ever really truly culturally competent, but maybe like culturally humble. Right. Because I'm like, oh, how much of that's in your head? Like, no, like this is like some legit stuff, but because you're maybe in a more privileged body, you don't understand that. You just think I'm making a big deal. And now I'm getting gaslit in therapy too. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Here's my money. <laughs> and how often do we even say, um, oh, she's pulling the race card or whatever, or they're pulling the race card. And do you, do you realize it's the opposite in workspaces? Don't you find that people tend to kind of like we have to let things go or they you know we have to let things go in order to keep it moving you can't you can't like go to hr and file a grievance for every microaggression that's just not that's survive then that at some point that becomes survival right like it's just the way it is and hopefully that's changing but that's just how it's been and so it's really the opposite of pulling the race card in my opinion yeah and it's not even it's not even every microaggression it's every it's everything. You can't complain if you're sexually harassed in some environments, in some places, uh, because it it kicks up too much of a, of a, of a problem or you're jeopardizing their job, or you just don't want to make them look bad, or you know that you're the one who's going to get punished in the end. And it goes back and forth and all around. And Allison is 100% right here. Um, it's really difficult as clients to go back into the world and say, now I'll be safe. Or now I know how to keep myself safe. Or, you know, I can deal with all the trauma I had yesterday and now I can go forward. You know, it's it's having to relearn where my boundaries should be set and then learning how to enforce them as well. And you have to do that while people are constantly violating your boundaries at least as a person of color. I think what I really like about therapy and in incorporating like this part of it, and, and when I've been like networking with other therapists, you know, I really like talking to other people who are at least say they're social justice informed. I know a lot of it's performative, but like, it's really hard to like really sift through, but 
I mean, obviously it doesn't fix anything to say, oh, I can see that this is coming from systemic oppression, but sometimes it can just even be incredibly healing knowing like, this isn't really my fault. This isn't me. This is a system. I don't have to take the responsibility for this. Hurts a little less. Right. Well, and also to bring your vulnerable self into therapy, right? Like, well, I can't really bring that part to her. So that part just doesn't get addressed or I don't feel safe in bringing that part, that experience to her because she's not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Or she's going to look at me <laughs> like I've got two heads, three heads, you know, like, like shaking, you know, you ever gotten the shaking the head and just like, I don't know what to say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to explain it three times and they're still not going to fully understand, but they are going to apologize for some reason. <laughs> Uh, um, so we've talked a lot about, uh, or we've talked some about your personal practice and how you got started into that, um, how you've healed yourself and, uh, how you help your clients heal. Now I know in my experience, one of the things I hear a lot is how expensive therapy is, how maybe it's not worth it and back and forth on all of those things. Um, I also know from experience, that's not true. And anybody who is thinking about getting therapy, understand that whatever the cost is, it's worth it. How do you deal with that kind of a problem when people are telling you that, that your time or your efforts don't seem financially worth it? Because I know that that's uncomfortable for a lot of therapists. And it's something that a lot of therapists end up burned out because of. Yeah, that's a great question. I still think I'm working on that. Um, I think I think we are. Um, I I know that my service, our, our service, is invaluable. I know that intellectually, and I do believe it. But I think that um, we are. It's again with the system. You know, we're coming into this mental health system, especially as mental health professionals and as help in a helping profession, to really as if we're supposed to give away our stuff, our services, our, our, our value, the, all the things that we've had to kind of work hard to provide, right, for our clients. And so it can be disheartening at moments, but I also, I think as time is, is going on, I just really am more grounded in what we do, you know, how much we're needed, um, how much that this service is needed, and how your mental health is your health, right? it's your health. It's not Mm -hmm. just your mental health and that it is invaluable. And so, yeah, I I still have work to do, especially when I joined LIM, (laughs) I had to do a lot of work around culture and race because I did feel this responsibility as a Latina Latinx therapist that I had to kind of see every Spanish speaking client or just provide free services. And I found that, you know, that that's not true, right? That it's not my responsibility to see everyone. I can only see who I can. And that my mental health and my um, family and my time, which is why I went into private practice and private pay is invaluable for me. And so I need to live the life that I need to do. And it makes me a better therapist because I have, right? (laughs) Allison, you're shaking your head because then I can show up as you need me to be for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because there was a point where a couple of my good friends would go girl, you know, start your private practice. And then it's like, they would never go to therapy, you know? So Uh I think that, oh, I see that too, you know? And I I have to remind myself that's their process. It's not mine. They're not like, I'm not taking that personal. And I did, and I can, and I'm human, right? But (laughs) I know that I, I, that's not my 
stuff, right? That's their process. Does anyone want to tell the listeners what LIM is? I was going to say LIM is the Lean and Make Think Academy um, with Tiffany McLean. It's specifically for, I think, just like therapists. Um, I think there's like a few psychiatrists on there too, but like mental health providers who are wanting to work on their money mindset and raise their rates so they don't have to work as hard. Um, So you can be living the best life that you want to be living. That's awesome. It it Uh, really is. I know that I was having a conversation with a friend who was looking for a therapist and he was like, oh, maybe I'll just go through better help and blah, blah, blah. And I said, wait, no, <laughs> go to, um, I said, Ali, you had told me about inclusive therapist. And I said, go over there, look for who you're looking for and understand that while yes, you could pay less per session by going to better help, you're also g- g- going to end up with a therapist a therapist who likely has a full-time job is burnt out at the end of the day and isn't going to be able to give you exactly what you need or their best because they are burnt out. Whereas if we're able to pay people and I'm, I'm very big on, um, on, uh, uh, equal pay and, and, um, not just a living wage, but a thriving wage and things like that. I don't think that people need to suffer. Poverty should be outlawed. Um, not that people in poverty need to be outlawed, but the the concept of poverty should not exist. Everyone deserves a home. Everyone deserves food, things like that. So anyway, um, so I told him you're going to end up with what you pay for. You're going to get what you pay for. And if you can, and he can, if you can afford a therapist and their full rates, then that is the way you need to go. Because in addition to paying that therapist what they're worth, you're also helping them to make space for somebody else who may not be able to. Do you find that to be true? And are you able to make space for other people in your practice Uh, by honoring your own worth in that way. Yeah, I'm working on that balance, but I do, I have partnered with a, with a organization who found me on one of, actually on inclusive therapists um, who works with um, clients who have been separated by their children at the border under the no zero policy. I only took three, I took three on from there at at a low sliding scale. And I think, being part of this program, it also taught me, and I have two other clients at a low sliding scale. And I also, that's it. You know, like (laughs) I also had to figure out my numbers, right. And figure out, okay, eh, my five slots are full. And then I have a couple, a couple at like a lower slide, like a lower fee, but like close to my regular fee. So it's, it's the balance of trying to figure out my number, really understanding my numbers and saying, okay, I can give this amount and I, you know, I can take on this, this these use these slots for these things and I can give back in that way and then it's okay for me to have a a thriving wage and 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 go on vacation with my family which is one of our loves to do yeah Um, things like that or just you know not have to struggle absolutely I I love what you said about you figured out your numbers and you didn't go uh, you didn't go above that you said okay these are my five this is what I can handle um I think that's really necessary and I I think a lot of people Ali can talk more about this uh, a lot of people forget and I think it applies to everyone not just mental health professionals yeah well because, you know, our, our listeners, they might resonate with wanting to find a therapist and maybe wanting to find a therapist that is going to 
I guess, be aware of the white supremacy and the colonization that is inherent in the therapy world too. I mean, as much as we try to decolonize, a lot of it is still, I mean, it's, it's steeping in that. Is that the word steeping? It's like, whatever. It's like, oh yeah. Like tea. Like tea. Oh, maybe it is steeping then. If it's like tea, it's steeping. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Go ahead. Whatever. Uh, Not a dictionary. Anyways. Um, And so what tips would you give our listeners who are maybe considering a therapist or maybe paying, maybe thinking about paying out of pocket, like what, what would you recommend them do to have a good fit? Oh my gosh, that was a really weird question. <laughs> well, and I, I, I mean, I think that if you're also from a marginalized community, whether you're um, LGBTQ plus or, um, you know, person of color or, or, you know, from a marginalized community in general, if there are a lot of directories now, number one, um, that do, I mean, a lot, (laughs) like, I mean, there's a lot and more than, more than I can even name right now, but, and I think it's been growing in the last few years. So there are a lot of options for at least for you to look and you can tell right there if they take insurance or if they don't, if they're full rate. Um, and if they do even do sliding scale, I think that there are a lot of options out there for, for us now to find a therapist either of color that's more inclusive, um, I think that there's, there's start with the directories. Yeah, I would absolutely. Say. And some of those directories, I know um, I always recommend inclusive therapists yes. as inclusive therapist.com. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a great one. Uh, do you guys have any others? It's yeah. Not- Latinx therapy, I'd say. Right. Okay. I get a lot of clients from there. I mean, I know that, I mean, psychology today has a lot of issues, but all of the clients that, that have contacted me from psychology today are black identified and, and, you know, women of color, um, Mm -hmm. not, not the biggest, the best suggestion. I understand that. And I agree with that, but it's funny because it still tends to be one of the directories that people find. So you can still find therapists if you, if you, Google the name and that's how I'm found a lot, but also, um, clinicians of color, also melanin and mental health. That's a big one that it's very low key. Um, and it's, she's, uh, the creators are black and Latinx. They're female therapists. I listen to their podcast between sessions. And so, um, they are big, they're from Texas. So they're kind of West, even though they're West coast based, just like Latinx therapy, they're West coast based, but they're still Northeastern. If you're looking for someone in Northeast, um, what else? I'm trying to think. I think there's therapy dad that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many. I think there's yeah. like. Um, that's really good for now. That's five. And I'm going to include these in the show notes. So let's not overwhelm everybody. Um, but there, the point is lots of options out there. If you're looking for a therapist that meets your specific needs, um, you're looking for somebody uh, who is a little bit more inclusive or, I mean, <laughs> less white in this very white space. I mean, I'll just say it. Uh, this might be a really good sort. These might be really good resources for you. Um, also, uh, both Allison and Melissa are accepting new clients. Allison is in California and Melissa is in New Jersey and New York. So both of those are options. Um, we are running out of time. Do you guys have any? Can I just add one more thing? Oh, yes, oh yeah, of, of course. course. No, no, no. No, just really quickly. I am doing a, a group for the holidays um, for December for people like needing that additional support, whether it's anxiety around the holidays, COVID, um, gatherings, um, 
connect disconnection loneliness and we'll be doing different things for that such as ground teaching grounding techniques meditations um breakout groups just providing that support um, we're finding a lot of disconnection now during the holidays and just a lot of anxiety so it's just something that and and it's open to it's a support group so it's open across the country it's not that's great so where can people sign up for that if it's an open group and they can go from anywhere in the country well they can contact me um so if you provide my website or you provide my contact info my my gmail um my email account or my phone number okay if you want yeah so if anybody is interested in melissa's holiday group check out the show notes i'll make sure that all of that information is there and i will be co-facilitating that as well with my awesome. mm-hmm. and if they want to find you like do you have any socials yes if they want to find you? instagram um holistic underscore therapista t-e-r-a-p-i-s-t-a like therapist but in spanish which is really not the it's a <laughs> never mind it's allison should probably know it's not the therapeuti- therapeuta is the proper term for therapist but therapista is more like you know known and so that's what I went with <laughs> but I don't know I'm third generation did you know that we, we, I never learned Spanish I'm learning okay. more Spanish right now only because my spouse is from Mexico and Spanish is his first language and we're trying to work really hard at making sure our kid is bilingual so he doesn't lose that hair like lose that you're doing better than me. My husband is Dominican and, but we're both like raised here in New York, New Jersey area. And my kids are like in the middle, but <laughs> it was, it's funny. We'll I, it's totally unrelated to anything, but it's funny because I always feel really like, like, yeah, I'm picking up Spanish. Like, woohoo. Like, <laughs> like, ooh, autobus and, and whatever. And then I, then my mother-in-law will come over and she'll start talking to me. It's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I lied. I lied. Um, <laughs> cuidado, cuidado, whatever. But um, and so we can do art socials. Oh my gosh, I don't know why we're being weird now. Um, you can find us at Rebel Rev underscore, underscore. on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Allison Gomez LMFT, Allison with one L. And also just to promote, I have a group that I'm going to be running in January for people who are in California, high ambitious women of color who are coping with suicidal thoughts. It's going to be an ongoing group where we're going to make space for like the dark and angsty and really just be curious and explore. So if you identify as dark and angsty and high achieving, you know, that perfectionist side, then this group is totally going to be for you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, and you can also find me at Nikki Hafner Author on Instagram or at Hafner Nikki on Twitter. Um, my book is out. I uh, just published my novel. You can find it on Amazon right now as an ebook. Um, just search for Pateria the Immortal. It's available in the US, Canada, and around the world. Um, or it will be available around the world. I'm not sure if that's clear yet, but you know, the, the price is set the same everywhere. Um, check it out. It's a uh, space fantasy sci-fi type book um, about a powerful immortal who saves the world, possibly. Who knows? Okay, that's you gotta it. read it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, thank you guys, everyone. And uh, see, you ne- see you in two weeks. Thank Toodles. you.